Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. And today's guest is Trey. Welcome to the show. Hi, I am excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. We've been talking about this for a few weeks. Yep, I'm finally excited to be here and to dive into a lot of important things. I would like to know, how did you get started in the health? What's your backstory? When I graduated high school, I really wanted to work on the side as a personal trainer while I continued college. So I started going to college for computer science, and I kept that thought in the back of my mind. I want to be a personal trainer. I want to dive into nutrition. I grew up in that world with my dad, being very healthy, regular fitness. So I was already involved in a lot of that. And I got so busy with college that inevitably I pushed off personal training for several years, three or four years. And finally, when I got to the point where I did have the time to start following that path, I realized it's very hard for a lot of independent trainers to finish their certifications and find a job where they're making enough to support themselves or to pay rent or mortgage. So I started shifting my mindset. I was pretty disheartened after I learned that. And I struggle with mental health as well. I have clinical depression and anxiety. I have a struggled past where I have been self-harm. I've been through a little bit of drug abuse, alcoholism, addictions, all kinds of things. And over the following years after I took a break from university, I kind of got this thought where I want to start a business that's maybe not as a personal trainer, but somebody who still helps people. But I want it to be set up in a way where I can help people mentally and with their emotional struggles and mental struggles but still incorporate that sort of personal trainer, physical health side of things. And I thought over this for a year, I just kind of let it snowball. I threw a whole bunch of ideas out there. And I decided on tech startup that I want to do in the health tech space. Unfortunately, because I'm under contract for a bunch of reasons, while things are being developed, I have to kind of keep that on the low key side of things. But as this idea sort of morphed and spread, while this company is being built over the next one to two, possibly three years until launch. So I came up with a publication. I've always enjoyed writing. I love reading and I love learning. So I wanted to create something where it's not just a blog, though. It's not just me writing about research. So I thought, okay, I want to invite professionals that are local or in the state of Utah. I live in northern Utah who are certified in a whole bunch of areas. I don't want to concentrate on one thing. And that kicked off LifeSculpt, which is a health, wellness, and fitness publication. And that's, in a brief summary, that's sort of the background of where I am today. That's great that you pivoted and you're using all your skill sets and what you love to do with the health and also with the technology. Yeah, I think it's important and it, allows me to not center my focus in one area like a personal trainer would struggles with my mental health and a couple people I'm very close to in order to help other people. And so last, let's see, this past, I actually published an article from licensed psychotherapist who covered overcoming OCD. That's the title of the article, actually. And that's the first time diving into OCD specifically. We do 2022, I have a really big goal of incorporating more mental health professionals than last year because I find those very important. We've had a couple in the past as well, uh, psychologists, to cover a variety of aspects of why thinking about your own health is vital, vital to your happiness, keeping yourself in the present and having a just a brighter future. It's so funny you're talking about mental health. Every single guest... No matter what they're talking about, like their main subject, it all goes back to mental health. Well, it's funny because growing up throughout university and when I began working a lot of hours in in various jobs, I never took into account how important mental health was. I always focused on physical health and diving into relationships. Really, there wasn't a lot of time. It always took a backseat until about 2020, I would say, is when I shifted and really decided to start focusing in on that. I believe everybody should have hobbies. Whether you are married with children, you need your hobbies, which is essential in 
decompressing your mindset. For example, some days I work anywhere from 11 to 16 hours. And when I have a busy day like that, I really need something to release. So I love gardening. That's one of my favorite things to do. So now that we have warmer weather here, I'm like, man, when do I get out to go to the garden? When can I start gardening things? And it's still too early in my region, but I started a mango, a mango tree, and it recently sprouted. And just going upstairs to the sunny room where it's growing in its little pot until springtime comes, just seeing that helps me think, okay, this is literally a stress reliever as tiny as it is. So being able to recognize that mental health is honestly probably more important than physical health. And I don't mean that to say physical health is important. But you can't continue your physical health without eventually recognizing how vital mental health is in terms of fighting your struggles, whether that's stress, depression, anxiety, arguments with your children, really anything. I really do agree that you could focus on the physical, but in the end, you're going to have to deal with all that mental yeah, and stuff. Exactly. The and the stresses of life and everything that we're going through. And stuff. I completely agree. I learned a lot of things kind of the hard way, but I found a huge amount of value in therapy. There's a massive stigma around getting professional help. And that's one way I began to adjust some of my own struggles is accepting therapy. That's great. And it's good to have someone who could tell you that you're getting through that. Because sometimes we feel like we're just stuck and whatever the situation is, and we're not moving forward. Yes, yes. Whatever it is, maybe it's grief, maybe it's getting a divorce, maybe it's something else that's tragic. Absolutely. I think everybody, even if you're the happiest person in the world, I think everybody can benefit with a little bit of therapy. It doesn't have to be something serious like grief or clinical depression. Yeah. It can just be the struggles of issues with a coworker maybe or just being stressed about school. Yeah, I, and it's good to get the therapy or get into like a group that could help you move through that. And I feel like we don't want to do that. I did that. I went through a grief group when I lost a family member almost 2 years ago and I knew that person was going to pass away. It was my grandmother and I saw something on my church website. I signed up that same week and joined and everything. And I did it for like 10 weeks every for like a couple hours every Thursday. And then wow, they, that's awesome. Yeah. And then they asked two months later the next year, they're like, well, do you want to do it again? But I had moved past it because it's like you have a group of people around you, even though I don't know why they had it on Zoom. I don't know if it was because of COVID or what, but you have a group of people who you're like, oh, they've lost someone I and stuff. And some of these people had been married to their spouses and stuff for like 30, 40 years. But it, you realize, oh, it's okay to cry with those other people. It's okay. And they give you the strategies to get through that. Yeah, I think that's something that is amazing about groups like that is you have this sense of community of people with similar struggles, but the ultimate goal is to get beyond this mountain of emotional distress to find the sunshine in the disc rather than being stuck climbing that mountain. Afterwards, it's great that there was an ending to where you didn't necessarily need to continue and you found the result that you were seeking. Yeah, and I think when you're in those groups, it's good to be like, okay, I'm going to commit and do it every single week or if it's every single week and stuff. And it's okay if you're not in the same place as somebody else and stuff. And you might have to do it two or three times a group or something and stuff. So it's being patient with yourself, which I think we're very impatient people in this world. Yeah, it almost seems by nature as human beings, we're impatient. You know, and I've said this before, there is a big silver lining with COVID. There's a lot of negatives that we face. But the silver lining being we were able to shift some community to online. So when you had your group, you had it over Zoom. 
even a Facebook group, there were so many groups that popped up with, I'm actually part of a couple, but mental health support is a good example where you can talk to like-minded people. So having these support groups shift to more of a digital meeting, you're still able to keep up the support and you can still see others face-to-face via Zoom or Google Meet. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned like now everybody, people who weren't on Zoom now are on Zoom and they meet and they realize, oh, I can meet other people from across the world and stuff. I think us entrepreneurs already sort of knew that and stuff because we do interviews, we do stuff all the time. And like, it's always through Zoom or stuff or it's we meet like people across the world and stuff. But regular people probably just didn't realize that. Yeah, you know, it's kind of comical in the software company that I'm starting. My partner is in Northern Utah as well. And his office and the area he lives is only about an hour away from me. And I've never actually met him face to face in person. We meet every single week through the Teams app. So I see him every single week. And then we chat a lot via text message. But it's so funny when something comes up in a digital age and you do meet somebody. So this happens to a lot of people, I imagine, especially in various business, probably medical areas as well with telehealth, is you can get close to somebody and learn a lot about their personality through the digital age of things. So like you and I, we are a distance apart. But when you think about somebody in the same state, never meeting in person, it's such a unique situation to be in. I find a lot of people, I don't even know, I don't know anybody. Like all the people I talked to that I've interviewed in the past year, they were 37 people. They were all from different states. I had my first person I interviewed like just a few weeks ago and she was actually in Austin, Texas. And I didn't even know it until we hopped on a Zoom call. You don't even know it because you people, it's funny, people, you set up like an interview and stuff, but I didn't even know she was in Austin, Texas. So it's crazy. Wow. Yeah, that is actually crazy. When I started LifeScope, where I wanted to start it with local providers, and it's a little twofold. I want to help all of our readers. I want everybody to have a greater future with improved personal health. But at the same time, I want to give value to the writers too. So I want to support their practice or their clinic or their new business. But when I started, the first couple articles were from local providers. And then I finally started to branch out to Idaho, to Colorado and California. And I haven't been too far east yet. I think I had one writer from New Jersey, but I had my first international writer a couple months ago, I want to say about two and a half months ago. And she's an amazing nutritionist that's based in Abu Dhabi. And it's so interesting learning the dynamic of medical requirements in other countries that we don't see in the United States. And being able to talk to somebody that far away is, it definitely was available before COVID hit. But being a little bit more forced into online communication, you realize that your world is a lot bigger as an entrepreneur or just connecting with people in your same space. I just love that thought and that fact because everybody has a different background. And like you said, you don't realize that they're so close to you until you're talking. And I've had that a couple of times as well. When somebody writes, I'm like, wow, you're only 10 minutes away from me. It's funny you mentioned the nutritionist and she's in out of country. I had someone, he's like, and he was in Australia and he's like, oh, I came here and they really put the drug ads are really more focused here and the side effects in like Australia, I guess they don't really tell, say anything and stuff. It's not as pushed, but it's really interesting just meeting people from other countries who they have more, it's all like our opinions are sort of all sort of like very similar it's not like too much change that is a very good point there's so many people where i think last year i published something 
37 to 45, somewhere in that range of writers. And nearly every single one, we have an extremely parallel mindset on their field of study. So nutrition or counseling, we are very similar. And I just let them run with the area they want to dial in on. I tell every single writer, I don't pick the topic because you are not only the professional, but you have an area of expertise or an area that you love talking about. So there's a doctor that I've worked with who works with a lot of women's health, labor, pregnancy in an alternative method. And I said, you choose the area you feel most competent in and just run with it. Let's see what happens. And I think she's written four articles now on really similar topics because that's her area. And that's where readers find the most value is if you dive in to a specific niche in your field versus something very generalized, readers take the most out of that than anything. And one caveat I always add to the writers is our goal is not to help every single reader that opens an article. It's to help a handful or a specific demographic at a time. Not everybody needs a personal trainer. Some people have their nutrition very on point, whereas somebody might need help with, they want to try out Reiki for the first time or acupuncture. Being somebody who runs a publication, and you probably know this very well, is we're constantly learning. So as we work and discuss with these individuals, we constantly learn something new, like craniosacral therapy. I don't even know if I heard that term before I started talking with the professional who offers it. And I just learned a crazy amount, even before reading their article. And I had some explanations. I'm like, wow, I did not know that was a thing. And for reading her article, I just dove right in. I'm like, when I gave her the schedule of the publication day, I said, you know what, come back whenever you want, because I learned so much personally that I know there's somebody out there who will learn as much as me and take away from it. So let me ask you this, Amanda, I have a question for you. Being in the space you're in where you publish and share content, whether it's you discussing a topic or especially when you have guests on, how do you balance your workload as your personal life and the pure amount of information coming in and keeping everything balanced for your own well-being? For me, it's figuring out where do I need to work on too with my stuff too. I feel like it's a lot of information that comes to you and stuff, I feel like. And I think the biggest thing is like, you're not always have a perfect balance of your content and other people's content. And that's what I'm really trying to work on this year is more of my content. I interviewed 37 guests last year. That was a lot. I published 56 episodes. But I realized I was like, oh, I didn't do solo episodes for more of my content and stuff. And so it's just figuring out, okay, trying things out, seeing what works, what doesn't work, right? I'm like, this year, I was like, I just wanted to try it out. I was like, I'm going to do two episodes per week. We're recording this like the February 28th. And I'm decided I'm going to go back to one episode. It's just too much, right? It's just too much and stuff. And just like two episodes a week and then doing other things that I want to do this year. It's just too much work and stuff. So I'm like, let's just go back to one episode. And that will be fine. Because I think a lot of times with content, people don't realize content it's the pre-chats and stuff. It's getting to know people. It's the emails back and forth. It's also recording the episode, listening back. You do articles, so you probably have to read everybody's and set a schedule. And it's a lot of like back work that people don't realize for just like a 30-minute episode or an hour-long episode. So there's a lot of back work to it. Yes. I love what you said about the balance of everything's not going to always be in the same balance. I think that's extremely very good point because it's true. It's like teeter-totter or something where sometimes things are uneven. You put more time into thought or taking notes on your thoughts than maybe 
interviewing somebody else. So the other thing that I think you mentioned that I can really relate to is being able to focus on yourself. So you have the podcast that you run and you started it with two, three episodes a week and realized that's just a lot to balance everything else. When I started LifeScope, I actually started with, if I remember correctly, it was four articles a week. And that was with me writing one and then publishing three guests a week. And then still being able to build the new website and organize the social media content to go with it. So I think when I started LifeScope, I was publishing four articles a week, I believe. And that was just way too much. So I dialed it back to two. And for a while, that was pretty sustainable. And things eventually got hectic with the other company. And so I decided the best schedule is consistency and being realistic about it. And so I went to every Wednesday, a new article comes out. And that has worked perfect. There's never been a week missed, even over the holidays. That's been great. It's definitely an easier balance. But things as things pick up with the other company... I'm actually planning on bringing on a partner to the publication at the end of 2022. That way we can continue incorporating more of an online presence. So we are on basically all of the socials, even including Pinterest. But I want more of a consistent sharing of the content to reach more readers. And so like you said, being able to control the amount of work you're putting in a week. You think you can do it, but then it's like the tip of the iceberg. That's what the audience sees. Everything below the water is the editing, the planning, the outreach and communication. Because you and I being in this space, we want to get to know the people who we talk to. And that takes time. It takes a bunch of emails, sometimes calls, Zoom meetings, of course. So a follow-up to that, How do you set up your personal boundaries? I know we talk about boundaries a lot of the time with relationships and spouses or parents or children, but very rarely do we talk about boundaries with ourselves. So how do you set it up in your professional and personal life where it's okay to say no to certain things and what the realistic things to say yes to are? So what do your boundaries look like? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, I think for me personally, I read a good book a couple years ago, and it was all about boundaries and stuff. And just making sure you have that boundary of, okay, I'm not going to check my email first thing in the morning, or I'm not going to go on social media until I do whatever you do in the morning. Maybe that's prayer. Maybe that's meditation. If you do meditation, I do prayer. Maybe that's working out, having a healthy breakfast, doing those things, taking a shower, doing those things that are positive, that start your day off right and stuff before jumping into like the craziness of work, 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 work. And then making sure you have set times like where you, have a break. That's lunchtime, not eating lunch at the computer, but like away. Because we've gotten into this point where we're all working from home, even though we're coming out of COVID or whatever, everybody's still working from home. And so we don't take a break. We just are like, well, I'll just eat in front of the computer. And how helpful is that? That's not going to then you are going to go straight to like the cookies or whatever because you didn't realize your body's ate food. You're still in the mindset of work and you haven't shifted to focusing on what you're eating and taking that breath away. Yeah. Two of the things you mentioned I relate with strongly and that's putting certain unimportant things on the back burner that do not help you move forward productively or even as that breath of fresh air. So social media, vegging out on the couch, watching TV, going to unnecessary parties or get togethers, even browsing the internet sort of mindlessly. 
I enjoy doing those things too, but there comes to a point where yeah. it's almost like an addiction. You're like, okay, I'm going to watch one more episode or I'm, I'm just going to scroll for five more minutes or I got a new notification. I started doing a thing where in the evening, I do a nightly prayer as well. You mentioned you do, and then you have the morning routine. I enjoy also an evening routine where you have that decompression before bedtime so I don't go to bed stressed or anxious about the next day or what did I get done today. So I do prayer before that. I set a solid, when my phone is down, I put it on do not disturb and that's it. If I can't sleep, I'll get up and read a book. I keep a book on my nightstand or maybe I'll journal but I won't touch electronics. That's a solid evening line for me. As soon as the phone is down, it's time to meditate, uh, do prayer, reflection, journal, anything non-electronic that distracts me before going to bed. I do kind of have the morning routine where I never start my workday before I eat something healthy. And so I'll, I'll get up, have time for my mind to get functioning, and I'll have that sort of that same thing where I don't think about work until work starts. And the healthy meal, I want to get my hygiene out of the way. So I'll brush my teeth, wash my face, shower, whatever I need to do. And having those locations or the environments for whatever it is you're doing is vital. Last year, I was horrific at working in bed. So I have a desk. I work long hours for my day job. I'll work Uh, 10 to 12 hours a day for my day job. So I sit at the desk all day. And when I'm finally done with that job, I want to go sit on the couch or I want to lay in bed and I'll work from my laptop. But that's kind of bad for two things because you subconsciously are now putting your rest area as a partial work area. So when you're in bed, the bottom of your mind, you're thinking about work or you're thinking about tasks. What I started doing late last year is when I want to work on either business, the publication or the software, I will go to the library or I will go to a local coffee shop. I love going to both places to work because I can really focus. The environment's different. I can work at a table, throw in some background music on my headphones and away I go because I'm in this environment that lets me focus on one thing at a time. For relaxing, I now don't work in bed where I very rarely work on the couch. And that gives me that environment for that purpose. And if I'm going for a walk, which I love to do when it's not cold outside, like I'll go for a walk on my lunch or after work. And I use it as my reset mode. So I get off my day job, I'll go for a 30 minute walk. That space lets my mind calm down, step away from the day job and get ready for working on business. The reason I do that is multitasking, unfortunately, it's been proven to not, it reduces your productivity because your mind is split in however many directions. And the other thing I do on these walks is I don't listen to music. I don't listen to podcasts. I don't listen to audiobooks. It's just mindfulness. I can listen to the birds. I can feel the breeze on my face, whatever it is. And all of that brings me back to the present. There's no saying I could have done better at this at work today. And there is no, I need to get this done tonight with the business. So having those clear environmental boundaries, like you said, it's it's crazy the difference I realized it made when I implemented that. Because last year was, my mind is always a thousand miles an hour, all of which direction. And so that became a real big change for me. One thing that I found uniquely interesting is I started using an app called Habit. And it's, I just use the free version. It lets you put in certain task categories. And so, for example, I set, because it helps me stay accountable. So I put learning time is one of my tasks. Another task is sleep. And another task is business work. I think those are my only three, actually. And what I do is when I'm on any of those three, I track. So the goal for sleep is minimum seven hours a night. And I want to hit that goal at least five days a week. Ideally, it would be every night, but unfortunately, that doesn't happen. (laughs) So I track every time I hit seven hours of sleep, I'll enter one out of five and it shows a progress bar. 
And for the business outside of work, I set my minimum goal to be 16 hours a week, I believe it's set out. So every single time after every single work session, whether it's 20 minutes or four hours, I add that when I'm finished with that session. And I want to keep those goals realistic. So when I set learning, I believe it's two hours a week. That could be anything from an audiobook, a book, an article on Bitcoin or small business. It doesn't have to be the same thing I'm learning about the same topic, but as long as I'm learning and away from work mode, that allows me to track that time. So I use that personally because it puts in boundaries. I'm now following the time to work or the time to sleep. And it's crazy because I've always used a day planner, like a physical write down everything planner. And I just want to kind of piggyback on what I just mentioned with what I do for boundaries is using resources to keep within boundaries and to to use that balance you stated earlier. So I use Habit, the app. I also use three different calendars, but two are synced. So I use four, actually. I use I have a Google Calendar. I use the calendar that comes with my phone. And then I use my Outlook calendar. Those are all synced in one place, though, so I can make sure I don't forget something. And then I have my day planner. And the day planner allows me to review things when I don't want to be on my phone or my computer. Right. But using the app as well. And then I always set up reminders for important tasks. So I'm starting to meet more and more for business every month. And if it's something important, I set a reminder for one hour before because I want to shift my mindset away from what I was doing into what I'm about to do because it's important to me. So this podcast, for example, I set my alarm for one hour prior to us meeting so I could really dive into the thought process, what we want to discuss and to get in the mindset that I want to have a a deep one-on-one conversation with you and the topics. Whereas if it's something a little less important, maybe I need to want to schedule walk into my day schedule. So I'll set it like maybe 30 or 15 minutes prior, and then I can briefly step away. So utilizing the free resources we have can keep us on track by not only keeping us organized, but by setting those hard boundaries of, I need to do this and not scroll on Instagram for two hours. And that's been super beneficial. With you, whether you're doing two episodes a week, one episode a week, is there any certain takeaways that a listener can use to keep their personal life open and available? So if they want to go to the gym or grab with a friend or go to a movie on Friday nights, can you give any advice to listeners who feel super busy and don't know how to start the balance between productivity and free time? I think the biggest thing is you really like you were saying schedule in the fun stuff for the month so then and stick to it so you are like oh i'm not going to cancel on that person and stuff if it's going out to dinner once a week with friends or something schedule it in and you know okay every friday night i'm going to dinner with my friends from say six to eight o'clock or whatever it's just Give yourself some grace about it, but you don't really want to cancel on your friends, do you? And stuff. I think, I think it's important to schedule in that it might not seem like the most important. Like you might think, oh, your work's more important to get done. Everything else is more important. But if it's something that brings you joy, then you need to get that into your schedule somehow. You need to figure it out. It doesn't have to be for too long. It can only be like a half an hour meet up with someone for like a walk or something. And you get some activity and then you go for a hike or something, but you're still able to socialize. So you get your social and you get your exercise at the same time. And I think that's... Absolutely. I had an issue where I would get so into my work that I would find it almost inconvenient to go see friends. I have several friends that live about 40 minutes away. So I'd always talk myself out of it. I would constantly get invited on Saturday night. But because I work every day of the week, 
yeah. I would always be like, no, I'm, I'm busy. Or I would talk myself out of it with the drive that man, an hour and a half of total drive time. That's just a lot. But forcing myself to go relieved me in the end. It was a good choice in the end. Even though I wanted to get one more thing done, I would say, no, it's time to put it down. Let's go out for a little bit. When I get back, we can jump back in. But this time is my time. But also setting up takeaways is recognizing burnout. It sounds like when you started, you were very ambitious with how many episodes you wanted to put out a week. And we discussed the amount of work behind the scenes that goes into creating a podcast and those relationships. But being able to recognize what is going too far. Burnout in the long run is going to be a lot more harmful on your work than taking half a day to go hiking. And so recognizing the symptoms, exhaustion, tossing and turning at night, meals are constantly being eaten when you're working. There's so much that burnout will affect and then your work will suffer in the long run. And as a result, those relationships that you care so much about probably will too. So I think forcing yourself to go out, giving yourself that permission to go out helps tremendously. I totally agree. And it's finding those friends that you can go out weekly and stuff because you can't, it's, you can't really keep a friendship if you don't see your friends like weekly, even through text, it's not the same. I agree. And if it's important to you, you'll put the time into it. Even a phone call. I have two friends who started a business right around the same time I started my publication early last year. And they work a lot on the business. It started as a side hustle. And when they transitioned to full-time at the business, their days just got super busy, whether it was events or venues, selling, whatever it might be. They understand where I'm coming from with busyness because they live a very similar life. So also having friends who understand whether they do what you do or not, that helps because they know what you do and they know that you care about it. So even if they don't fully understand everything, they know you work on a podcast. So you may not be able to call them at seven o'clock when they want to talk. That support is vital. There's a lot of times where family will invite me to dinner or to go do something and it even to watch a movie at their house. And there's probably more times than not, I have to say no, because it doesn't fit. But usually I'll say I'm free Sunday night or I'm free Saturday after 7 p.m. So that understanding between you and the other person is vital. Yeah, it's so funny you're talking about that. It's keeping those commitments to yourself, even if you have people telling you, oh, you need to go out and stuff or whatever. But I thought it was interesting. You mentioned having people around that get what you're doing and stuff. And I think sometimes that's, we're all working from home and stuff, but as an entrepreneur, sometimes it's harder to find those friends, I find. Yep. I have a fairly recent colleague that he, he works in the software space and he's a part of three different software companies. So he's constantly busy. But I wanted to meet him in person because I wanted to learn about him yeah. and make connections. So we had, I think we met via Facebook. It may have been through a Facebook group. And finally, I said, hey, let's grab brunch and let's just chat about what we do, some of our struggles. And luckily, he lives fairly local. I think he's about 45 minutes away from me. And we decided to meet in the middle and talk and he completely understands what a busy schedule is like he does being in software he understands some of those struggles too working with programmers or developers and various setbacks and so talking with him in person though also let me connect with him and see his personality right away i could see his face i could see his hand gestures and the way he communicated and so after that we were able to text and understand each other a little bit more So you said digital age with working from home, that makes it a little bit harder to establish that connection. 
but having people who do understand who you are available to me in person is is very beneficial because it shows you that I'm not the only one in, for my case, the software space who works a very busy schedule. And if something comes up that I need to vent about, I can shoot him a text. And we talk to the, enough to the point via text that now we want to schedule a regular Zoom chat when we can't meet each other in person. And so That's that allows amazing. us to keep that connection because it is important to me not only to network, but to build new friendships where we can discuss struggles, I guess. And that takes some weight off your shoulder where our personal friendships, you always feel guilty to trying to vent anything to them, whether it's work drama, something's came up with your family, because you know that they have things in their life and nobody wants necessarily to carry the weight of your stress in addition to their own. So having somebody who you can vent about, maybe about your company or about your podcast, and then still having other friends where you can talk about personal stuff. It's actually ironic because I have one relationship with another colleague who lives in Southern California who started a software company as well. And we actually do that with each other. We kind of vent about struggles. We talk about issues in our own startups, but I've never met him in person. So I kind of have both sides of the coin where I compare one relationship to the other. And like you said, entrepreneurs, it's a little bit different maybe than somebody who has a coworker with their corporate job and they meet or talk all via online. And I can realize there is a benefit to seeing the person in person, but the connection can still be just as strong online only. And it's because you have that release mode, your brain gets away from like I'm at my computer a lot. So you can get away from your computer and you can chat via text or a phone call and have that release. And then I can still go to the gym with a different friend in the evening. And so we talked about boundaries earlier, various friendships, we can weigh them differently. So having a friend who is in the podcast space, you can talk about, man, this, this microphone is terrible. Or hey, I had issues with using this server. What is your schedule like when it comes to podcasting? We can have one person like that, whereas we can have the friend who follows our journey with maybe our weight loss or something. And so we do have strengths in every single relationship. We just need to evaluate those so we're not piling on to somebody unnecessarily. And that was another thing that initially jumping into entrepreneurial world, I struggled with that is there is balance off in so many areas. And then that just creates chaos. So I had to look at it one thing at a time, the boundaries we talked about earlier between our own well-being and work, I had to address that. But then I had to address what I discuss with each friend, because one friend might not understand business stuff, whereas another friend does very well understand business stuff. And eventually, the gears kind of turn slowly But eventually you will get to the point where with the right communication and the right mental clarity, everything falls into balance again. And so that balancing act is is amazing. One very last thing I wanted to mention along those lines is when I mentioned going to the gym and then I mentioned something like prayer, meditation or reading where it's set time. Part of the reason I started that is in one thing like a walk a run or a hike, you are letting your physical side take over. You're letting your physical activity control what you do for that set time. Whereas if I'm reading, I'm letting my mind dive right into the book. I'm letting my mental side take over. You're not trying to do both at the same time, which is why I don't listen to an audiobook or a lecture when I'm on a walk. Because that's my physical side. I can take a nice breath. I can enjoy And that is more beneficial than most people think. And that's a lot of people might disagree with this, but that's the reason why even if I'm on the treadmill at the gym, I won't listen to an audio book. I want to focus in on what I'm doing. So I'll listen to music still, but I'm allowing the body to take over. Whereas when I'm at work, business or otherwise, I'm letting my mind take over. And there is a big difference in that. It's It brings more 
focus to what you need to get done. And it allows your brain from doing that multitasking move, day job, I'm skipping lunch, eating at my desk so I can think about what to do when I get back from lunch because suddenly everything needs done right now. And that's just not the case. One thing you mentioned that was sort of interesting, and I think I'm like dealing with this too, is like, like when you move to a new state and I've only been here for like seven months, is like finding those people to do the different things that you need, the different friends. It is very hard, especially when you get out of school or back into normal life, I guess you could say after COVID, where you're kind of stuck working from home. As an adult, it's hard to make new friends that you can communicate with regularly. They have, it's also the fact is if they have their own jobs and they have their own stuff going on, it's interesting because you're like, you might be putting a little more of the effort in and stuff like that. And you're like, I don't know what to do. And it's interesting because you're talking about friends and you mentioned how like having someone like, I do actually have someone that I could go to and I talk to him about like podcasting. And he's like my biggest encourager. And that's why I did my 100 episode with him was because he was the one who I was, I listened to his 100 episode. And I was like, okay, he has that goal. I need to have that goal. And I think that's the thing. You have to have different friends for different things. And he's in Australia. So he's like crawl the way across the world and stuff. But I mean, it's really hard to find those friends. I have some church friends and stuff, but they're not business-minded. So it's hard finding those business-minded friends I have learned. You said with him, like inspiring and motivating you, yeah, that's amazing because that's yeah. what we need. And I used to think you could find a friend as like a package deal where it's all inclusive. They have everything you want to talk about. And that's not realistic. Unfortunately, something that's amazing, and maybe you can relate to this, is when we step into this space or make business in general, regardless of our age, you begin to make new connections through business or through content creation or sharing that you didn't know before. So I mentioned those two colleagues in in the tech uh, startup space. I would never have met them if it wasn't for not just business, but tech business. Whereas um, like a connection with you and some of the writers who write for LifeSculpt, I would never have met them if it wasn't for that side of business. And many have became somebody I can talk to regularly or if I have a question, it's to the point where I can text them on their personal phone and not just go through strictly be professional. It's definitely hard as an adult, especially moving to a new state that just puts it on a whole nother level. I've just moved cities and I didn't jump an entire state or a couple states. Yeah. But even moving cities, you kind of want to reestablish that so you're not isolated in your own bubble, always working or doing what it is you yeah, do. Yeah, it's very hard. I find it gets a little lonely being in a new state, especially if you don't, or a city, and you don't have family, you haven't moved with family, you're not married or you don't have kids. It's like, okay, I really have to get out of the apartment, house, whatever. And it's like, that's hard. And I think it's just putting yourself out there and stuff. Like you mentioned, you said all your friends, all the people that you've have some friends from the tech world and stuff, and you have all those friends that like you could text with online. And I mean, I do have that with my Australian friend and stuff. And I wouldn't have met him if I hadn't decided to go into the health space and apply for his podcast. And that's how that friendship has grown in the last, like, whatever, 17 months. But I mean, it takes time, I think. And people need to realize that. And you need to have friends in different, like, areas of your life. And I'm trying to find a health health business friend. I might have found one. I don't know yet. But it's hard. 
I read an interesting quote, and I don't remember word for word, but it's something along the lines of, you can't harvest the benefits until well after the seed is planted. The context that that was written is relationships. The seed is you're reaching out, you're being uncomfortable, and you're planting the seed. So with your friend in podcasting, it could be something as simple as I applied and I'm interested in what you do or else I would not have applied. And that's the seed. And then you get to know them over time. You said 17 months, you're slowly getting to know them. And finally, you get to the point where you're benefiting from the harvest, which is I have struggles and I have questions in podcasting and he inspires me. So now the relationship is working in both ways. You might have a frustration you can take to him. And in return, he inspires you to hit that 100th episode. And that becomes the harvest of the relationship. So being able to plant that seed and nurture it over time, that's absolutely tremendous. It not only gives us that person that's important to us, a new friend, whether they're online or in person, you have that person you have something in common with, podcasting, writing, health, that becomes a vital part of your life. So if you move somewhere else, you're now isolated. And whether you're an introvert or not, you can reach out to somebody clear in Australia that you now have a connection with beyond that professional level. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I say he's probably that number one friend that I've brought to this and stuff to the state because I have any of my other friends like, I didn't have any friends that came in this state and stuff. So, but I yeah, think it's very hard with the busy schedule too. That just kind of piles on a little. I think, well, as an entrepreneur and stuff, it's like we have to make time for those friendships and stuff. Making sure if you're not an entrepreneur, just whatever you're doing in life, that you're making sure that you check in with people. Like someone said to me, Oh, I'm about relationships. I'm about building community and just checking in with that person and seeing how they're doing. Like, I think that's a big thing that goes a long way because people really disappreciate even checking it, even if you don't talk to them for a few weeks and stuff. When my Australian friend was all the craziness was going on in Australia, I was still how are you doing? What's going on? Are you okay? All of that. And I think that's a big thing too. Yeah, I agree. I think that is what benefited my relationship with one of my colleagues in tech is if I hadn't heard from him in at least a week, I would send him a text and say, hey, I hope, hope everything's going okay. Just something really brief to check in. And he does that to me as well. And it's on my end, at least it's very appreciated when I get a text or an email like my colleague in California, he'll send me a message and ask how everything's going with the company. And But he'll keep it personal too. So for the Super Bowl, he asked which team I was rooting for <laughs> as well. And so we build that camaraderie sort of because we know what is going on with COVID because you're affected, but your friend in Australia is affected. And that kind of brings that personal level and you keep that professional level and adding checking in with each other regular communication it helps us feel good we can get done working a long day and we can send them a text we can chat with them for a little while but it's hard to make friends now and i say that because a lot of people don't realize the power of online resources so me and you may have a little bit of an advantage where we meet people through what we do. But that doesn't go to say people who are not involved in the business world can't meet anybody. Before I jumped into business, I used various friend finder type of apps, as well as connecting to people who might be a friend of a friend on Facebook or part of a plant grower and trader group or something on Facebook. And I would say ever since I left college, that's how I've made most of my friendships in the present, maybe the last five to six years is online. And most of those were before business. I think I've made definitely a handful of new connections in the last two years, just getting into the entrepreneurial space. Before that, I made 
an additional two or three, maybe four friends just through other means. And so being okay with that, join that group. If you love yoga, join that group on Facebook, maybe follow a channel on YouTube. You never know what something like that will lead to. I don't currently participate in yoga, but that's a funny example. I love yoga, but I don't do it. One of my goals is definitely to do it this year, but I'm a part of a yoga group on Facebook because it was me stepping out of my comfort zone and wanting to meet more people in the space. Yeah, I like that because whatever you're joining community and stuff, that's why I have a community and stuff. But I mean, joining communities that has the same interest in, as you and then you can reach out to people. People like to be get a message as long as it's not like spammy or anything. People like to right. chat. I have one more example and I know we're running a little late, so I'll, I'll wrap up just a moment. So when I first got into the tech space, I had a, a mentor I would chat with. I believe it was roughly once a week. And so we were on a regular professional-based relationship primarily. And over the course of probably about six weeks, he transitioned to a new job working at in a tech accelerator program locally. And that became a conflict of interest because in the tech space, if somebody works at an accelerator, you don't want favorability. So unfortunately, he had to end the mentorship, which I completely understood. I definitely was bummed about, but I totally understood what was going on. However, I still would check in on him. Like we just mentioned, I would say, hey, I hope you're doing good. I hope things are going okay. And he would always check back with the same thing on a personal level. I hope uh, your search for a partner is going well. I hope you're staying healthy. So we were still able to build on ending the professional side of things while not letting that affect our relationship on the personal side. That's a special thing. Relationships, if you can find that relationship to match what we want, like we were talking about, we can vent about a coworker or we can vent about, I'm not hitting my goal with my weight loss. If we can find that support system who is close to us, that checks in, it helps our mental health. I know circling clear back around to our mental well-being, that's a huge part of it because they can snowball a piece of advice to you and you can build on it. Maybe you have never been big into prayer or meditation. You can start incorporating five minutes at night and they can help you get started or they can send you a resource on growing your audience in some manner. So one thing I wanted to wrap up on is I wrote an article at the beginning of my publication way back in May 19th. And I actually pulled it up because I couldn't remember the exact title. It's titled Everyday Actions to Improve Mental Well-Being. And this was an article that I worked on for probably a solid month in between projects because my depression led to so many other issues, lack of sleep, bad diet, my brain going a million directions. I wanted to get started with the business, but I wanted to improve at work. How do I maintain my fitness and health? All of these crazy things. And I wanted to lay out everything on sort of a master list. And so I discuss sleep hygiene. I discuss how to handle stress, anxiety, relationships. So all of that's kind of covered in that article. And writing it, helped me realize, and I did a little bit of research as well, there's no way I'm the only one who struggles with this. There's so many other people. So when it was organized and published, I got a lot of feedback saying it was this was very beneficial. And I love bringing guests on, but I love being able to open up and add my own struggles, things I've discovered along the way, tied in with a little bit of research. And that actually benefits more people than you think like a solo episode of your podcast, you don't have a guest on, but you can discuss your personal experiences and what you have discovered along the journey. That's great. So I would be happy to send you the link to that article. But if anybody wants to learn more, it's just on lifesculpt.com. It did kind of get buried because it's been seven or eight, nine months, however long it's been. Occasionally we do, I like to call it recycling 
where I will recycle an old article and I will have it updated with fresh content, whether it's from a guest or something I wrote a year ago, it jumps back to the top of our publishing list. So (laughs) that's one I plan on recycling eventually, but it's gotten a lot of good feedback because so many people can relate if you're, whether you're stressed or you just want time away from your kids and you need those boundaries. I think items in there are important and it covers basically everything you and I talked about today. We're from the boundaries we discussed to our balance of friendships. So if I was to give one takeaway from my side, that's something I definitely recommend people do. Obviously, everything's free. There's no charge, no pressure to sign up, nothing like that. Everything on the site is free. So just do what you can to improve your schedule as kind of binary and boring that sounds. Scheduling things in, we discussed forcing time slots for free time and a breath away from your work. It helps us healthier and lowering our stress hormones helps us live longer and healthier. That's perfect. And I'll put that in the show notes. Thanks so much. This was great. I love meeting you. I love our emails back and forth. And it's awesome to finally connect and record this. I'd love to come back in the future. This was a blast. I love just opening up and running (laughs) wild with what we do in our personal lives that might benefit others. At the very least, we can share what works for us. Yeah, exactly. And I don't get to do that very often in these episodes. So it's yeah, fun. it's nice. Just go to pasture and let everything run. Right. Thank you. Thank you, Amanda. Hope to talk soon.